welcome to Bolts of the Roundtable. Here is your host, Terry Bonadonna. Thanks, Mike. Welcome once again to Bolts of the Roundtable. I've got a couple of returners to our roundtable today and one newcomer. Let me introduce them one by one. Thank you for being here. Starting pitcher, Mr. Jake Fisher. Thank you, Terry. It's good to be here. Thunderbolt's closer is with us as well. So we've got the first inning and the ninth inning covered. Mr. Brian Lokensall is around. Thanks for being here, Brian. Of course, Terry. How are you doing? And another man who is back for more at the round table, the starting right fielder on the Thunderbolts, Mr. Blair Beck. Thanks for being here, Blair. Terry, yeah. Hey, good to be here. All right. I'm just going to assume that all of you are having a good day. I'm going to cancel all of the formalities. and Let me just get right down to brass tacks. Can any of you dunk a basketball? Women's only. What okay. size is the... Size of the goal? Is it standard 10 foot? 10, ten footer, yeah. 10 foot. The hoop, not goal. I, I can touch rim. Okay, but you can't dunk. My hands are a little too small. Yeah. Um, and Jake, shaking just, your head no. Just, just touching the rim. Yeah. Oh, well, touching I mean, that's, you're, you're shorter than I am, and I can't touch small the rim. Victories. So, <laughs> small victories. Small victories. You guys are you guys are athletes. No, the uh, the reason I bring it up is because uh, some people in the office were wondering. It was a question that was going around, and credit where credit is due. This was a dead spin poll question, but the question was, are there more people in the world who can dunk a basketball or hit a home run. I'm thinking you guys could probably all hit a home run. Blair, I know I've seen you hit a home run. Uh, the other two guys, you're pitchers, but uh, from what I've seen in pitchers BP, most of the guys are at least able, maybe not consistently, but able to hit the ball over the fence. I'd say be able to hit the ball over the fence. I'd say dunk a basketball. No, yeah, dunk a lot basketball, goes yeah, into yeah. it. Um, yeah. You're not, there's so many factors. Um, what kind of pitch is it? How fast is it be thrown? What part of the field are you hanging to? What uh, field you're at? Field it's just a regular American person, right? Just the average, average person, yeah. Dunk a basketball. Athlete? Are we talking about like you the walk into a random American. room and you pick Four little guys. Johnny? Yeah, no, you're picking little Johnny here. Yeah. Okay. Is, yeah, not not just uh, the clubhouse, but any random room in America. Hopefully, little Johnny's seven foot tall. Yeah. Yeah, big Johnny. I'd, I'd say I'd say uh, probably dunking a basketball. Dunking a basketball. How about uh, hitting? And I'm going to direct this more towards the pitchers because I'm curious how much do you guys practice hitting? Probably not much practice, but I guess uh, my my thinking is when I played Little League Baseball, the pitchers were always the best guys on the team. They could hit too. At some point in your life, you commit to either hitting or pitching. But do you guys ever feel like you could still step in and, and make consistent contact? I mean, it wouldn't be easy, but I feel like with practice and work, yes. So if you were put into, let's say, in right field, you're the new right fielder for the next week, you have a couple of weeks to get yourself ready for it, could you go out there and, and perform as a, a hitter at this level? Honestly, I mean, not. I don't think it would be anything. It wouldn't be anything standout. Do I think I'd go out there and play? Yes. And do I think I could contribute as one of our hitters? Probably not. Yeah, well, that's more my question than anything. I wouldn't expect... I mean, if you could be an all-star hitter, you probably would be hitting as well as pitching. My question is more about how capable are you? Because I'm in a room uh, full of professional athletes here, and I'm the furthest thing possible. <laughs> and so I have a hard time comprehending how anybody does anything athletic, but where does the line get drawn? I mean, if you can do one thing, what are your abilities in, in other aspects of the game? I think being an athlete alone allows you to do so much more, and it's not the fact that you deem yourself an athlete. You, you know at, at 27 years old and 26 years old what you can do and what you cannot do. And the line that's kind of drawn is you'll take a fielder. Blair has played multiple positions, um, and it's known he can do that. It's just having feel. Now to go from one side of the ball to the other side of the ball, 
is a large difference, but I think Blair can get up on a mound and do something that have a better better results than I do at going to the plate in my first at bat in professional baseball. Uh-huh. Taking that, I can, now taking that, you give me two months, and because I I think I am athletic enough to where I could figure it out, I could dot the I's across the T's. It might not be awful handwriting, but I I could still show something on paper that I knew what I was doing in a batter's box. Do you think that carries over to other sports as well? One hundred percent. So, I mean, none of you are going to play in the NBA, but if you were to pick up a basketball, say you're going to train yourselves for a couple of weeks, a couple of months maybe, you get out there and, and you certainly wouldn't embarrass yourself playing against good basketball players. How many days do you shoot at the gym? Four or five times, Jake? Yeah. Four or five times a week we're at the gym shooting basketball. I think we could we could keep up with a well-executed high school team, and I think that's where it draws the line. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. So you think that if, if the Thunderbolts became a basketball team just because it's a terrible movie plot, this minor league baseball team suddenly has to play basketball to save their jobs or something like that. You think you could contend in a high school basketball league? Oh, yeah. I think we can get a starting five. To take junior, I think we, yeah. junior college, we can compete. Juco? I don't know. It gets pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, basketball, like, we everybody grew up playing basketball. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I feel like if our jobs are on the line, we're either going to have seven dudes that foul out of the game, you know, Playing hard, or I'm saying put you it take Simeon, bring him you over take, here. You take okay. a basketball team and put them on a baseball field to come compete with us. We're gonna fare a lot better going to basketball and playing against them than I than they would come to us and playing. Against yeah, us. I would think so too because baseball seems like it's a much more skill-oriented sport as opposed to basketball, which is more athletics-based. So you really, I think, would need a lot more time to learn the ropes in a game of baseball, especially if you've never played before. If you've never played basketball. You're probably going to be a bad shooter, but you can still play defense. Yeah. You can still learn the footwork. Mm-hmm. You can learn to pass. So, yeah, I think there's a lot less skill involved in basketball. Uh, but it's not uh, not a terribly tall team. I don't think there's anybody on the team taller than 6'3". So you might have Larry trouble Grant. contending in that way. Larry 6'4". Oh, is that, that's right. Larry is 6'4". His neck uh, is yeah. feeling good that day. He lifts it up as high as I mean, I think, I mean, you see a lot of guys that, like, are athletic and as all get out and – baseball but can't throw a hit a golf ball can't throw a football can't shoot a basketball yeah. i mean they'd have probably trouble doing underwater basketball even to be honest with you so <laughs> i mean it all depends on who you're talking to really all right well talking to you three guys what would you say is your best sport or even your best athletic attribute outside of baseball uh, to be honest anything that involves a ball and you catch or make a quick movement i wish that was a sport i wish i can get paid to just do fun like all right so when baez did that thing with the gum you remember everybody seen that they talked about that that was a cool right in the playoffs ah, caught it looked in the mirror Uh, i do that like for fun like i that's i love that's just the quick movements where like you have to keep the ball up i played tips in my college dorm for like hours just watching TV and just well, keep it up, keep it up. If keep it up was a game, I'd take a couple players and we go to the Olympics with that. But so you might be good at something like handball or racquetball. Correct. Ball, oh yeah, we've been playing the spike ball out there, and I, I might, I might want to go dabble in spike ball when I'm done. I always joke about when I'm done with baseball, and if um, the XFL comes back, I am gonna play in the XFL. That is a, I always love the game of blitz. I love how you can play with full. You just if you get hurt, you get hurt, whatever. But that takes a different kind of breed of animal, but yeah. Well, what's your position in football then? Uh, 
I, I like getting hit more than I like hitting. So that's yeah, an odd it's thing. Weird. Like getting say. hit gets me keeps me going. It's a motivation thing. You gotta get back up, right? If you hit somebody and they don't get up, you're just looking for the next target. I'd okay, rather so, be the target that never gets down. But let's think Always. about this for a second. You you like getting hit. So let's say you, we stuck you in an NFL game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm dead. Well, okay. I don't get up. <laughs> you're playing. You're playing running back. This is a very far-fetched idea, okay. but yeah, I'll run with it. Yeah, keep going. You're 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 running a in a forty. What are you running? Four nine, maybe a five five one. Four nine. Four, four nine. Eight. Four yeah. nine. I mean, you're pretty fast. So you got four twos coming at I'm you. I'm a Cowboys fan, so you got Dak Prescott handing you the ball through Zeke's suspension for the first six weeks. Yeah. You make it through the second level, and you got Cam Chancellor coming at you. You're gonna go head to head with Cam Chancellor. One hit, and snot is probably going okay. all over your visor. <laughs> this is me talking after baseball, so I'm. I mean, I'm saying I'm gonna put the time into a workout like it. That's what I'm saying. Nothing's built in the Rome wasn't built in a day. So you give me three months, and uh, I'd still need about another thirty months to get in the NFL. Or oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was just yeah, throwing no, an I get it. Out there. Yeah, but again, we talked about like the size compute. Like, does my baseball size would not compute at a football level right now? I'd have to. I couldn't imagine. People always talk about like, oh, wrestlers, like, ah, uh, guy's so small, like UFC fighters. It's like, uh, he might be 155, but he knows so much. He knows what he's doing, and I have zero idea. Size doesn't play it. Those but that's that's that. you right now. If you Correct. were Give training me, for it, it's yeah. a totally oh, different yeah. animal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But could your body sustain the workout? I'm six two. I think I can morph, if need be. Like, I don't know if I I love food too much, so cutting down to. A buck ninety to be a white six-two receiver, I don't think is ever going to be in my future. So quarterback, to answer your question, I think I could huck a okay. football. Fair enough. I, I think going back to the first question about the hitters and the pitchers and how hard it would be to go back to that, I think we each, everybody gained a lot of respect for each other in their position when we had Chappie go out and get an AB in Traverse. I had to catch on short notice and stepping in the box, my legs were shaking because I wasn't used to squatting for so long. And Chappie after his at bat was like, oh my God, I didn't even see that. looked like 98 miles an hour. And he, the guy was so a good foul ball though. Yeah, he I, did. I mean, that's something, I look at something like that. He, I don't know when the last time he, he had an at bat was, but it certainly has never happened as a professional. Whereas uh, an observer like me or anyone else you could pick out of the crowd, could never have even made that type of contact to hit that hard foul ball that he got. Yeah, I mean, all of our pitches are pretty athletic. So, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that they can go up there and make contact by any means, but you give them three weeks, four weeks to get their timing down, I think they'll squeak out a couple knocks. It's like a math problem. You know, the answer is, you know what the answer is. It's contact. That's all you really care about making. Uh, what happens if it's good contact or bad contact? You make contact in that bat. You could, you know, potentially call it a win. You you put the ball in play. It wasn't strike three down the middle or or something like that. You put you took it into your own. You know, you made a judgment call and it's a good pitch. Am I right? Yeah. You put the ball in play. It's way better than a take. So that's why we say, yeah, I'd make contact. That's all I care about. Softball game. We talked about it <laughs> last year. We were counting foul balls. Was, yeah, got one. Foul one off. Tipped one. That's awesome. That was the fastest thing I've ever seen come at me. I haven't seen yeah. – it seemed way harder than 90. So I'm doing that now. Yeah, fouled one off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it with guys in the National League too. 
I mean, I played with John Gray in college, and he never hit. He, I think he was a two-way guy at Eastern Oklahoma State before he came to OU, but he ended up being an only pitcher. And now he has – I'm pretty sure he still has the furthest bomb hit for the Rockies this year. Dead which, center. I mean, 44. He, he's not hitting 300. 484. But you know what I mean? Like, it is possible. He's put in the work. Yeah, what you're talking about is just putting a good swing on the ball, making contact. That's kind of a hitter's approach too, isn't it? I mean, it, it's more about the process than the result. Sometimes you hit the ball hard and it's not going to go anywhere. It goes right out of field. Or sometimes you hit softly and you get a hit. So I guess as a hitter, the best you can ever do is just put the ball in play, right? Soggy, getting I mean, a soggy hit. I know you've heard that before. Soggy. Mm-hmm. Hitting it with a wet noodle. The ball just bleeds over. First I mean, base, like, you, those yeah. are the best. I love As a pitcher, I love seeing it because I – despise when that happens that's me i beat the kid he made weak contact negative contact is what's called but when it beats you that stings so or you break a bat that's awful because the, and they get a hit but as of seeing it for my guys i'm like i love that that is awesome that's mm-hmm. the these things tend to even out over time though don't i mean for every soft hit you're gonna have a hard out right mm-hmm. or or do you just remember the bad ones more than the, the good they do they stick in your mind better that's on you. I'm the. You guys keep yeah. tallies like some people we know. <laughs> I mean, you got you got guys like uh, Tim Zier. He likes to. He keeps a hitting book. Um, just about each at bat he had, and you know if he made a hard out or you know something like that, he'll put down hard out. He'll tally a hard out, and then so if he has 17 in the bank, he thinks all right. Let's say those 17 hard outs fall for hits. Well, if I'm hitting 250, those 17 line outs fall for hits. Now I'm hitting 290. 290. But again, and that's something it does even out over time. So it's easy, I think, as a hitter or even as a pitcher, if you have a lot of negative results, even if the process over that time has been good, you like to think, okay, I could be doing better right now. My numbers don't necessarily indicate how well I'm going, but on the other side of that, there are just as many usually, aren't there, of plays where you think, I got away with one right there. And that, that happens fairly frequently, doesn't it? Yeah, and even on our side of the ball, the pitch you think you make is great. Gets called the ball, and then the very next pitch you think is, oh, man, ooh, <laughs> gave me that one. And you see the batter's reaction to both of them, and it's literally the exact opposite. They think they should have got that call or they knew that call was a strike and they call for a ball. Usually on ball four is when you really see it. The guy will look at it, give it a quick peek, knew it was too close, flicks the bat, wants to go away. If the umpire calls it a strike, it's like, oh, whatever. Or well, it's so a yeah, bad one. <laughs> a pitcher of the ball leave his hand, he's like, oh, and then it's when you miss, he's like, oh, yeah, got away with that one. But it's different for us because we know as a pitcher, throwing a ball in the dirt could be your best friend. If you get a guy swinging a ball that's two feet in front of the plate, you know out of the hand, you wanted to put in the dirt you didn't know you wanted to put it six feet in front of the plate and then that guy swings that that guy just saved you right there yeah unless you got a guy like Seth Spivey who you're throwing your best pitches and he's putting his eight swings on him yeah Yeah, well I guess that's that's the difference maker at every level isn't it I mean if you're a professional hitter the expectation is you're going to hit the pitcher's mistakes if you're a professional hitter you're going to take advantage, or professional pitcher, sorry, you're going to take advantage of that hitter's weaknesses. I think when you really separate the best players at any level, not just at this level, it's the people, the hitters who can hit the pitcher when he's at his best or the pitcher who can get the hitter out when he's at his best. 
Very true. And is that just something that is kind of an ebb and flow where you get into a rhythm where you feel like on this particular day, I can get anybody no matter what else they're doing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's probably the most used quote for pitchers. At my best, no one touches me. That yeah. means like not even a foul ball. That means you you just win every at bat. That's you have the confidence feeling. to execute every pitch. Yeah. You know, there's not one pitch you feel like you took off. I'm sure it's it's different for a starter and a reliever, but at what percentage do you think of your appearances? Do you feel that way where you think it doesn't matter who the opponent is, they're not getting me today? Honestly, I try to carry that mentality out there and get get mentally prepared to feel that way every single time. But obviously, it's not like that. Sometimes your body's going to feel a little bit different, and sometimes, you know, you're not going to exactly hit your spot every single time. That's just not the way it works. You know, some of the best in the world still miss their spots and give up hits. That's just the nature of the game. But for the most part, I would say it's kind of like a uh, like I, I've used it before, like riding a wave, you know, like usually when, when you have one good outing like that, you can carry it into your next outing and kind of have the same feeling because you've had confidence of what you've been doing. And, you know, if you have a bad outing when you're missing spots and, and nothing's really going the way you want it to out there, it's something you really got to check yourself to try to get back to that, that train of thought and that mentality and that confidence. If you're a pitcher, how long do you think it usually takes before you realize on a given day, maybe I don't have my best stuff today or I don't have my best command today. I've got to get by on something else on this particular day. How long does it take into an appearance before you, you make that realization? I think that comes with experience. And uh, right away, I try to, me personally, I try to take it outings. You know, earlier in my career, I wasn't taking it pitch by pitch. I was more worried about the, the whole game. You know, if I started pitching bad, I'd be worried and I'd start pressing. Now I just try to not worry about the outcome and, and make each pitch its own game. And, and within this pitch, I'm going to make the best pitch I possibly can, you know, with, with the effort I need to. And, and I think that's made the most difference is not worrying about, you know, whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day or if I have my good stuff or my bad stuff, but competing with what I have that day. Brian, I'll ask you this, but I, I want to include this. Uh, I want to include you in this as well, Jake, because you have been a starter for as long as you've been with the Thunderbolts, but you've been a reliever at various points in your career as well. Is that different as a starter and a reliever? Do you take a different mentality into it? Yeah, uh, as a reliever, you it's very hard to have a routine you try and use every day. Uh, there's been times where I've thrown four days in a row, and there's been times where I've been thrown six games in a row. You prepare differently. For a reliever, if you long, you have to be very careful with. Like the amount of catch, honestly, that sounds ridiculous. The first thing you do is before, I mean, after stretching is you play catch. We limit, or there is really no, if it feels good that day, you want to, you know, you want to air it out and you can do that. As a starter, they have set bullpens. They have set, like, I'm going to get to 220 today because it's my long toss day. And the better, the better you mold a routine like that, and you take it my day one, my day two, my day three, my day four, my start day, that's what I've heard that since I got, since I was an affiliate ball. They look at that. If you're slacking off and even, even as little down to you, did you do your core today? Or like your mobility, they have that written up for you. Let's hand it to you. Independent ball is very different. You are on your own. You find out what, even in college, you played, there was only three games or four games if you played doubleheader. You knew what, you're throwing one game and you knew exactly who was throwing as a starter, but 
you didn't have, you had your school and everything. Now it's like, we don't really have work except for work on the field. So we take that out and then you're just thrown into, uh, if you want to work out, do what you want to do. We don't know what's best for us. Finding out what works best for you on a day-to-day -day basis as a starter is huge because you don't know what day could throw it off. Oh, I ate really bad on day four. I'm not going to have a good start day. I mean, superstition for starters is so much powerful than it is for a reliever because it's a shot in the dark. I didn't think I was throwing yesterday. I was down seven runs. I didn't, and I've known at my point in my career, you don't take innings off. Uh, sixth inning, we're still down. I'm like, eh, might not be throwing, but got to stay up. I still did my same stretches I do in the sixth inning before I went in. Uh, not even coming out, we scored two runs, and then boom, 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 three innings. Or it's a game. Put up a four spot. Put up we're a down four one. spot. You got to anticipate that. So you're not really always comfortable. I have it a little bit easier. I know I'm, I'm in the ninth inning, uh, tied down one last night. I went through. I knew something was going to happen. Um, but if it's like if you're a bridge guy and all of a sudden it's the eighth inning and you're you're cruising, their guy was cruising. They probably didn't think about getting up their club. Oh, all you hear is that, and you'll see the manager whipping into gear. It's like, oh, I didn't even know I'd be going in. Oh man, I hope I got to just calm down. Is all I have to do. You've done it before. You're just doing it at a quicker pace now. So I've definitely having the closer role is kind of a sigh of relief. You, I know what's going to happen. You get a little bit more of a breather. Um, but I've also been the seventh inning role where you're on the edge of your seat like, oh, man, if this guy gets in or if he walks this guy, I'm in. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's go, 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 or, or it's no, no, no. So you get as high as you can before touching the rubber in the bullpen or you get shut down and your day's over. Do you notice those sorts of things, Blair, as a hitter, uh, if you're dealing with, I'm sure if you're dealing with a veteran reliever or a rookie reliever, two very different things, but in a game like, take the one from last night that we're talking about, six-run game, suddenly it's a two-run game. Are you looking down at the bullpen and noticing, well, maybe this guy might not be ready to go. This could be a night where we hit him. Uh, you know, not really. Um, you know, when I see guys getting warmed up, uh, you know, in between pitches, like, I'll take a peek over. But, you know, really, we got to be focused on every pitch, especially as an outfielder. You're the last line of defense. So, you know, we don't want anything to get to the wall. Like, last night, uh, Loco came in, and a ball hit in front of me. And they had a guy up. If I would have been paying attention to that, it would have thrown off everything. And I told Loco coming in uh, after the ball hit in front of me, and it, I probably could have got to that like, if I would have dove. But let's say I did dive, that ball gets by me. Keenan's not backing up. If he if he wasn't backing up, that ball gets a wall. Now we got a runner on second, possibly third, with one out. Now Loco, his entire mentality changes, or maybe it doesn't, because I mean he that that runner on third puts a lot of pressure on him. And you know, I get as a defense, you want to put the least amount of pressure on your pitcher as possible because. When you're on that mound and things aren't going good, it's it's a lonely place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what you're talking about. One of my favorite things about baseball to me that makes it fascinating is the fact that on any given day, there are probably an average of about 250 pitches. And on most of them, for the fielders, nothing happens. It's either going to be a ball or a strike or maybe a foul ball, and you don't really have to react. 
And the reality of the situation is, as an outfielder, the ball may never be hit to you. You may be able to take nine out of ten pitches off, and nobody will even notice the difference. You can go nine innings without getting the ball. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to take every pitch, just not even pay attention the whole game, and nobody will have noticed. But that one time that the one ball t- is hit to you, but that, that one pitch may be the entire difference in the whole game. Yeah. I had this conversation with uh, our host family last night. Baseball is usually a game of six to not even, it could be zero to 10 second increments and the play's dead and it resumes. The amount of options or scenarios that can happen in that 10 seconds, pass ball, error, uh, run down, uh, ball to center field, ball to center field, Bobble gets by him, he throws it away, the guy takes first to third, oh, pass ball, oh, he scored. All you're saying is, oh, no one has any idea what is going to happen except on what? You know what ball four means. Guy walks down to first gingerly, it's dead ball. Guy gets hit, dead ball. Strike three taking, you know, it's over. Those are such small things. Anything put in play is, that's when the eyes light up. Even on the most routine pop-up to the, the pop, uh, routine pop-up to like the first baseman or second baseman or center field, just camped underneath it. All of a sudden, you know, oh, that's something I'm not. There's so many things. Center fielders, I've played softball, so I kind of have a little bit of idea, not to the extent you guys do. Every play, you you have to think of option A through Z. There's so many options. Yeah, you have to. What if I get an in-betweener? Like last night, am I going to dive? No, I can't. And this is all happening so quickly, he makes the right decision and doesn't dive because if the 10%, he doesn't make that catch, even if it is 10%, you don't take the risk. You take the – in that situation, when the game is on the line, you – one run as game. a fielder, as You've a gotta, you're you, not letting that. Your job is to not let that ball get by you, and that's the ultimate. That trumps everything. You, that ball's not getting by you. Yeah, every play there's so much to think about. One thing we were talking about earlier uh, was last night. There was a play at the plate in the ninth inning. It didn't go the Thunderbolts' way, but you're a third base coach in that situation. You have about one second to consider who's running, how good was his break, who's fielding the ball, where is he fielding it. What direction is his body facing as he picks up the ball? And is he going to make an accurate throw? And all of that is coming down to about one second where you have to make that decision. I, I'm a firm believer in false. You do it all in your head before the plays even made. That's where you do. You have to know. And it, it's a gamble. If you're a gambler, you're a gambler. If not, but when you have situations where you know, you know who's on second base. You know if he hits the ball. You know who has the good arm. Yeah, because we know that. We know that before the game. We know it before the series. I mean, it's not like college where we can watch in and out and Correct. throws yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. But, but we've played them enough, you know. Um, and Biggie knew that too last night. I mean, you got Woody out there who he's already been hurt. He's already a he's already a wounded duck out there. And then, but you got the game on the line. You you want to put as much pressure on the defense as possible. That throw when he sent him went high. That catcher has to be so focused in catching that high ball and still being able to turn around, find where he's at, and still put a tag on him. So we were we were good with that. I mean, you have to send him in that situation. Yeah, I think now, for, all of the, for all of the variables I mentioned, you're still in, in some cases going to be within maybe six inches. If the throw is offline by six inches more, maybe he's safe. You know, if, if yeah. he is a half step quicker on his break. Now, Maybe he's safe. I mean, you never know. Now, if that was the fourth inning where we were getting no hit and we have the runner on second, we get the knock. We're trying to get momentum. We're trying to get momentum. So you're going you're gonna to hold him up at third. 
now we got first and third. You know that one at bat, one hit can lead to another, and then we start, things start snowballing. Then you have one guy takes a playoff on their team, and then we're rolling. Because all it takes is one. I mean, we got that one hit at, to break up that no-hitter. Who was it? Uh, Coco? Woody. Woody. Woody up the middle. Woody broke it up, and everybody went nuts. Yeah. So, and I'm, we're late inning. We're a late inning team, I feel like. I mean, but it's just playing Now, the the, game. playing devil's advocate, baseball is a game of such, I don't know what's going to happen once the ball's in play. Nobody really does. Um, but you take the, the facts you have, and if you could build it up to the way you want it, I think it's designed a little differently because it is a huge run if we score him. Massive run, and nobody. Oh, we, whatever. We're, we're gonna be cool because it's our manager's decision, no matter what. But how much better does it look if he scores? If he doesn't, everybody in the world can question. It. Oh, why he sent him? You saw with Joe Mad. Why they throw Chapman? You know that inning, because you knew he threw a couple innings before that. You knew you weren't getting your best. It's what if you have the confidence in your guys to do it. From a manager standpoint, you always want to believe that they're gonna get the job done. Unfortunately, as a player, you might be like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't send me. And the bench, we could be like, oh, my God, don't send him, don't send him. That play, that's made in stone. He knows what's going to happen. So these are facts. So that's what, I mean, he knew he was sending him. If it was a ball hit to anywhere, I'm going to send him. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And even going back to the, you know, how pitchers feel, you know, on the, when they're in the bullpen, going to the mound, if they're saying – if they, I mean, they know in the back of their mind, hey, I don't have my, my best stuff today. Bassey knows that. Larry will know that just by catching them in the pin. So they'll say, hey, all right, look, the command of the fastball is not really there, but your slider changeup is working phenomenal. So let's get ahead with the changeup. We'll flash a, a fastball just to show them you can throw it and set them up back to the changeup to get them out, and we'll work off your changeup today. Basically, you got to compete with what you got exactly. at any given day. It's all a chess. It's all, it's all a chess game. Playing your percentages and going out at the end of the day and just being a man and competing. I think this this seems like a good way to bookend the discussion. So we'll finish up on this topic. But we we did start off by talking about the physicality of baseball and the fact that you guys are all athletes and and what does that mean in terms of what else you can do aside from baseball. Well, let me finish talking about the mental aspect of it. Because uh, you hear a lot of people talk about how the game is, is almost entirely mental or half mental or, or a good percentage mental. How much do you guys rely on just your ability to think and your ability to know the game? I think that's a huge part of it, honestly. But you can also overthink situations and overthink while you're out there, which can cause a problem. So I feel like it's a, you have to have the ability to balance it, you know, balance your thoughts and your 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 natural ability just to go out there and compete, you know, the primal nature of competing like gladiators back in the day. You know what I mean? This is sports are the, the modern form of, of that. And you got to kind of have the primal nature out there to want to win and compete. But at the same time, you gotta, you gotta be aware of situations and, and what you need to do in it. And there's a lot of feel that comes with it, especially at this level. We've played this game for a really long time. So guys have feel with certain situations. Oh, I need to hit it you know, behind the runner right here, move the runner up. I need to, I need to make this pitch and make sure I get it down right here. You know, it's just, just by judging someone's swing path and, you know, guys that haven't played the game for a long time, they don't really understand that or don't have that feel naturally. And that, 
that's something I feel like that's come with experience. Correct. Yeah. My favorite thing is seeing from a pitcher standpoint, it actually is a baseball player standpoint. If you ever watch a guy foul off six, seven pitches in a row and it's still 0-2, who's doing their job better? The guy who keeps throwing the strikes and getting the contact that's going his favor, it's foul ball, or the batter who's relentlessly fighting for his life. It's literally what it is. When you foul it off, you literally get new life. It's another pitch. You give yourself a chance. Hopefully, he starts throwing. If you throw seven strikes in a row, pretty good. If you do it to one batter, don't change anything. I hate when like, I've been accustomed to, oh, I got I to gotta really try and bury this one. I'm going to take a little off. That's when you get hit because that's not, your, that's not natural for you. If you're doing what you're doing in six, for me, a foul ball is a success pitch. I won the battle. He's down the count. Now I could, and if he's fouling off four or five pitches, it's not. Oh, I got to make up a new pitch, or I got to really try and do. Wow, you're winning. Now it does cost. It's different for a reliever as a starter. It's more of a pest for a starter because he knows his bull. He's gonna uh, have to face yeah, that guy two, face, three more times, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Or a long at bat, I and mean, that might be one inning for yeah. you. Maybe you don't come out for the next inning because you threw ten pitches to right. one guy to end the last one. That's a chess match. Those are fun. You win those battles. That's an extra. You get a little more fired up, and that gets you going. Now, even if as a batter, I'm thinking, even if you fight a guy from seven pitches, it's 0-2, you draw a walk, oh, my God, that erupts. Well, I mean, you have, as a hitter, you're facing a starter. Let's say Fish is throwing my first A-B. I've, I've fouled off seven pitches. More than likely, I've seen everything that he's got yep. in yep. that one at-bat. So regardless of how that first at-bat goes, my second, third, fourth at-bat, if he goes deep in the game, I've seen everything. So throw whatever you want. I know what's coming. Um, but as far as the mental or physical part of it, I think at our age, we've – our talent level is there. I mean, if you look at – you look at us, you compare us to big leaguers. Um, Less mistakes. There's – I mean, there's the physical guys that are, you know, you get like the Giancarlo stands that are six, seven, two, six. I mean, they're they're one of a kind. Yeah. You take an average big leaguer and compare them to us. The only difference is the jersey. Yeah, and they're they're tougher mentally. So I think that what allows guys to get to the next level and keep playing is being so baseball savvy and learning so much from your mistakes that if they screw up one time, that it'll never happen again. That one, I mean, you got two players in a, in a baseball player. You got a confident player and a non-confident player. And mentally, like Jake said, you can overthink stuff. And the mind can be your best friend or it can be your biggest enemy. And for some guys, it's, I mean, you'll see them ride a wave and then they'll go, off the wagon and you're like what the heck is happening yeah i mean in in other words everybody makes mistakes but maybe what separates the best from the less than best is uh, somebody who turns a mistake into another mistake and then another mistake and another mistake as opposed to the guy who makes the mistake and then stops doesn't doesn't do it yeah that's like quicksand i mean you heard the Mm -hmm. that's from the movie the replacements which i didn't really know that was until i actually got myself in a quicksand uh big leaguers get themselves out a lot quicker than uh guys of where we're at to be honest with you overall in the league they don't let if you take five pitches they make one mistake it stops there they make one mistake for the whole at bat 
uh, a guy in this league might make two or three before they make an adjustment. It's your adjustments. They know how to get back. You don't try and overthink, ah, oh, maybe i got to try this. No, they know it. They do what they what got them there. Yeah. And what got them there is getting that, – that's a big leader standpoint. What got you here to the minor – or the, even, the, even the minor, we'll call it the minors, isn't good enough because your goal is not to be – an independent player, just like it's not to be a high A player, it's not to be a triple player. Your goal is to play professional major league baseball. Playing professional baseball is the coolest thing I ever heard about. Oh, it's awesome. And then I realized, oh, it's not that it's awesome, but a uh, major league player that has its own title. Well, and they have, they have so much stuff, too. I mean, they after a bad thing, go in, they have a little iPad. You can see every pitch that guy's ever thrown to you. They have scouting reports on scouting reports. I mean, these guys are doing hours of film. they got to be at the yard at 3. Some guys are at the yard at 9 a.m. watching film, going over scouting reports, and that's why guys are so good. I mean, uh, Yadier Molina, if he goes down to the minor leagues for two weeks on a rehab start, he will get the previous two weeks of the hitters he's going to face and see what they're doing, what their habits are. And if he – I mean, the game's on him. 100%. 100%. Like, I, as a catcher, when I was catching in Traverse and Chappie, Chappie threw well and we got the win, I only had to catch five innings. <laughs> but every hit that, every pitch I called that got hit for a base hit, I didn't think it was Chappie's fault. That was completely 100% on me. I shouldn't have called. Maybe I should have thrown something different right there. And, I think if you take that kind of mentality and you care the same about somebody else, things will be – some starts getting really special. Well, I'm going to cut it right here, gentlemen. I've really enjoyed this so much that we've run long, so uh, we've got to go. But Jake Fisher, Brian Lokensoll, Blair Beck, uh, I really appreciate you coming out here, especially on short notice this week because I dropped the ball on on scheduling this, this week's recording <laughs> session as, as we're about to go on the road. But, but thank you very much. I hope that uh, the last 40 minutes or so have been as enjoyable for you guys as, as they have been for me. They definitely have. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Bolts of the round table. We're all finished for today. Thanks for listening.